This is Global Detection Adventures, the podcast. Brought to you proudly by XP Metal Detectors. A new adventure. This is part two of the interview with George and Tim, also known as KG and Ringy, from the television show Diggers from the National Geographic Channel. If you want to hear the first part of it, make sure you go to iTunes and download part one. Now I'm just going to pick up where we left off in episode one. All right, we're back. You're listening to the Global Detection Adventure Podcast. I'm Dave D. along with Lance Goolsby, and we're talking to the guys from Digger, Diggers, King George, and Tim, the Ringmaster. Now, we're talking about all the really hard, hard work it takes to actually film an episode in the hours and the... The, the elements and things like that. But yeah. I know there has to be some fun involved or you guys would not be doing this anymore. Um, let's talk about how the show evolved. Um, one of my favorite episodes or the, at the year is when you guys started doing stunts for the loser. The winner got to pick what the loser had to do as far as stunts. And the, one of the most funniest things I ever saw, and I was laughing. I don't, I don't usually laugh at TV, <laughs> But this really made me laugh. When I saw George, King George, right off a pier, dressed up in like a a Vikings chick helmet with the hair and that skirt into the lake. I mean, that just seemed peddling off into that. That that was hilarious. I thought that was probably one of the funniest things I saw. Um, what other kind of stunts that you guys had to do and what, what was the probably the, in your mind, the funniest or – if you're the loser, the worst one you had to do. KG, I, I, I got to agree with you. That, that was on the pilot show, the one you described with him riding off that dock into the 35-degree uh, lake in Montana. That was, one of, that was one of the funniest stunts, and it was like, I think, the first or second show we ever did. And that uh, was the very it was first originally show part did, of the actually. show. Yeah. We, was it the first we, show you guys did? Because I remember watching yeah. it later. I must have saw a repeat and watched it later in the season, but I, yeah, that, you know, I, I was laughing out loud. Usually I just go, huh, that was funny, you know, but this thing I'm like yeah. laughing out loud and, and yeah, you're in that, you're in that dress, that skirt and that long <laughs> hair with the Viking helmet on and you're on that. Yeah. Road, when we that? started, like you say, like when we started, you know, we were, you know, trying to come up with a show format and stuff and a lot of the stuff you don't have a say on, but the producer, John Jones, he was in, in on Montana and we were filming and we thought, you know what, what can we do that? We just, you know, kind of stand out or make things funny. And, and Tim and I talked about it before. We said, it would be kind of funny. And, you know, if the loser had to do something stupid, you know, and then we were trying to figure it out. And the loser was like, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. So we ended up, you know, I ended up losing in Montana, you know, so they thought it would be the ultimate, you know, that, and I just said, well, I'll just write a, you know, I'll just ride my mountain bike off of the dock into a lake. I mean, these lakes were like a week from freezing. I mean, they couldn't be any colder. Most of the people took their docks off the lake because they freeze. And I said, oh, well, all right, I'll do that. You know, it's going to suck, but I'll do it. And then they're like, Tim's like, well, no, uh, that's too easy. I think you should have to wear whatever I pick out for you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this, this could be really bad. So i like, all right. So he went to the thrift store. And I said, whatever you buy, I'll put on. And he shows up at the lake, and all the cameramen are in there. And he pulls out this this uh, prom dress with his purple wig, these Viking helmets, you know. And, the, and then, so I'm like, oh my god, I can't be putting this freaking dress on. It's gonna ruin me, you know. So I, so they're like, well, bits of it, you know, you lost, so put it on. So I'm like, all right, well, here we go. And I put it on. It wouldn't even fit. I couldn't zip it up in the back and all that. But I went. I rode the bike into the lake. And, and it was so cold when I hit, I couldn't breathe. And I'm trying to swear, get a couple swear words out. And I couldn't even swear because all I could do is go, uh, uh, uh. you know. So that was, the, that was kind of the start of the madness right there. Uh, Tim, Tim, what is your, what is your uh, worst stunt that you had to perform? Do you remember? Uh, probably. Uh, I had it, several of them. I, one of them, <laughs> I remember... I remember these getting put in the stocks, you know, where you put your hands and your head through the wooden thing and they right. lock yeah. you in there for being punished in the old days. And I remember these old ladies 
that were walking down the street, and the producer corralled them and said, hey, do you want to be on TV? All you have to do is throw this rotten fruit at this guy. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> you know, I thought, I'm going to get off easy. You know, a bunch of ladies throwing stuff at me, you know, big deal, you know, some lettuce, tomatoes, whatever. But these these ladies were vicious, you know, and and they would, like I had a, like a hat on, you know, my normal hat that I wear, and you know how they have that little button on the top of the hat, yeah, you know, on, yeah. on every baseball hat or whatever. And the ladies were throwing it, and they'd sneak up even closer, and they were throwing it. And one of the, they didn't even break up the fruit. It was like some hard apple or something hit me right on that button and put a welt on my head. <laughs> oh, and then another lady comes up and throws it from underneath to try to hit me in the face and stuff. And, I mean, that was just that was just one of many things that, I mean, we, you can see why we were nervous all week when we were doing those bets, because we didn't want to lose. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they so became no, no very matter what painful. you found, you still, you still but, lost. I mean, if you, if you lost the bet, there's one time we were in, um, I think, Arizona or someplace, and I lost, and Tim challenged me to a paintball duel, and I'm oh, thinking, yeah. I hunt. Hey, yeah, so I'm thinking, I'm going to murder this guy, because all I do is shoot guns, you know? But what they didn't tell me is Tim, um, since he won, he got to pair up with this. Um, he was like a three-time world paintball <laughs> champion, and he had he had a paintball gun that shot sixty-three paintballs every second. Oh my! And I don't know if anybody has ever been hit with a paintball. I'll yeah, build a purple wealth on you, like you can't oh, yeah. believe. So we're down there, and I'm thinking, all right, I can maybe hold my own with this guy. But he's got this air-cooled mask on to keep it from fogging up. And this high-powered paintball thing, you know, I got this stock paintball gun, you know. If you shoot, you'd have to aim a foot to the right to hit where you're hitting at. <laughs> and I'm in there, and I remember they say, okay, go. And I took a deep breath, and I blew out, and my mask fogged over, and I couldn't see. And they say, you can't take a mask off, or you'll get hit in the eye or something. So I'm trying to run through this this forest of, you know, broken-down trees and trucks and cars to make it to this Army helicopter that's safety. And I just got pounded with paintball guns. I was covered with, I had probably 150 purple welts on my body for oh, that. that. That that one really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's, I got so that ended after one year, right? Because yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, all these fines that you get, you get to keep any of it? Or do you have to give it all to wherever you're hunting? Um, well, that all depends on the landowner. Because the landowner... You know, they get, the agreement is everything 100% goes to them, which is awesome. And then they can choose to either donate it to a museum or, or whatever. But, like, there's a lot of places we go where, you know, we'd find a whole bucket full of mini balls or something. And for mm-hmm. mementos, you know, the landowner would say, hey, can we have one or two of these? And they'd be like, yeah, take them, whatever. And so we'd get to keep a couple trinkets each show most of the time. And then there were places we'd go where people would say, absolutely not, you can't touch anything, which is fine. And then there were places we went, like uh, the atomic bomb thing that happened that episode. This guy had been pulling up chunks of aluminum and scrapping his thing, and it was a pain for him for his whole life. You know, he was like 70 or 80 years old, and we had all these atomic bomb parts on the tailgate. and, And we're like, do you care if we have a couple of these? And He's like, well, I don't want any of that junk. Take it all. So sometimes we got to keep all of it. You know, it just depended on whatever the landowner's mood was or what he wanted to do with it. Uh, Did you ever find yeah. something really yeah. so awesome that he's like, and they took it from you, and then you're like, oh, you know. Oh, so that, that was all the time. That happened, yeah, that was all that the happened time. constantly. Eventually, you kind of get used to it or whatever, but there were a couple things that really hurt me. A really nice barber half I found that I couldn't get from the owner. He wouldn't sell it to me or anything but um there was one thing that uh cs buckle i found i don't know if you saw that episode I believe uh, that, yeah. it was probably my greatest find ever <laughs> and i knew it was a once in a lifetime thing so i stayed in touch with the landowner for a couple of years and kept offering him more and more money until finally he caved in and said all right i know it means so much to you you don't care so i paid way too much but i at least got it Oh, that's good. That's well, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Hey, those like, things are like five thousand dollars on. You know, they could be. Yeah. yeah, those things are pricey if you try to get one of those because those are rare. Anything's anything. Yeah. Uh, SC. Um, so you guys have your kind of your own language when you find stuff. Uh, um, just for example, I mean, you, when you find something in the hole, 
you call it nectar, or was it silvers or sieve, or is that Civil War stuff? Civil War. Yeah, and brownness and juice, nectar. Yeah, why that. don't you give yeah. me some some of the some of the terms that you use and kind of ex- explain you know what they actually mean for people that are watching your show for the first time. You know, I don't even know how that started. Tim and I, we'd be running around, you know, level checking, and we would, you know, we would find, uh, you know, a coin. You know, a lot of times we'd be out there in the winter with a hammer and chisel. We'd get hit. We'd literally have to chisel through the ground because there's 10 feet of frost out there. Mm. You know, and sometimes you would take chisel down, and then we got so used to filming ourselves that the second you saw something in the hole, you know, you'd get the camera. So a lot of times you would see like that a round coin or something in there and you say, I got roundness, I got roundness, you know, so we would run over and film it. So that's kind of how roundness came about. And then, and then, and then we said, oh, you know, nectar, like, oh, this is going to be nectar. Like, it's going to be great. And, you know, juice. I don't even know half of that stuff. Like we had, we have a, a radio station in Montana. It was called Copper 94. Every time we find something copper, we would say, oh, that's 94. You know, just stupid stuff. That we said, yeah, and, and it, then when we got to take the show, the everybody is, wanted we all never, that in there. Sorry, Katie, I was just going to say, when it happened, it was more like, you know, we never, ever thought about what we were doing. We didn't even realize we were doing it. We were just trying to out-stupid each other, you know? It's like, oh, I got 94 <laughs> in the hole. And, and it was funny to us, and we didn't think anybody else would ever hear it or ever even... I and mean, we never thought about the fact that it would get out of control and people would be writing us emails every day saying, I found some nectar today. And it's like, it's a huge compliment. I mean, it irritated a lot of people at first, especially, and it probably still does, but it's like we never really wanted other people to use the language. I and mean, we, we didn't want to force it on anybody. We were just, it was the way we talked. It wasn't something we consciously created on purpose. You know? It was just something that kind of evolved that you guys just unconsciously started using. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and then when they were filming us, they would say, you know, before we even started our first show, they said, you know, do what you guys do on your videos. You know, don't change anything. You know, if you swear or you do something dumb, they said, don't worry about it. It can all be edited out. They said, we want you guys to be yourselves and do exactly what you do on your videos. So that's kind of what we did. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I know I I, I watch Ringy. He gets, I know, and I know this is true. I mean, I saw Ringy gets really excited. He, he, uh, he, when he finds something and you'll see him running through the fields and (laughs) diving into bushes and, um, and that's, that's really who you are. Cause I know a guy in Iowa who says to this day that when the new phone books used to come out, you did the same thing, man. You were like running through the, the new phone books are here. The new phone books are here. And you would be running through streets and diving in the bushes and jumping on trees and so did the producer did the producers actually make you guys um to push you to do stuff like that or is just that just the natural yeah. instincts well that, that if you watch the me. pre-diggers videos that we put out i mean there's true genuine joy and everything in there and like when we found something we were happy i mean that was us we were crazy and we did that stuff and then once the show started, there'd be certain shows where, like, we'd be looking for something that maybe we we didn't really care about, certain, like, rifle casings or something. And even though that was the goal of the show, the producer would then say, hey, now you need to be excited about this. And George and I would look at each other. It's like, well, I found 10 million of these. I don't, I really wouldn't be all that excited, but it's cool for the show and yeah, we definitely ham it up on camera in certain situations. And then there are times when, like, I, I remember when I found my first readable oldest coin at the time. I had never been to Europe at the time, so I was like 17, whatever. It was a colonial coin, and I lost my freaking mind. And I jumped over a fence, and I'm eating fruit off a tree and rolling down the hill and stuff. And the like, I was not asked to do that, you know, and it was just something that happened. In fact, the producer's like, that's, you know, he was yelling at the cameraman not to follow me because he didn't want to ruin the $100,000 camera. And, of course, the camera guy did it anyway, and he (laughs) fell over the fence. I had jumped, and the camera went straight down, so camera two had to pick me up going up the hill and stuff, and it became a fiasco, but it made awesome TV in the end. (laughs) <laughs> did, did you ever yeah get... yeah and we're you know being from montana you know we didn't see stuff that old we never you know we 
the first time we went down south, you know, that was genuine, literally excitement because, you know, we never found coins from like 1700s or the early 1800s or, or Civil War bullets or Revolutionary War stuff, you know. So when we found it, I mean, we lost our minds for, for an 1800 coins in Montana. So when we were seeing that stuff come out of the ground, I mean, it was a whole level of excitement. Yeah. Yeah, it's a totally different world. I mean, the United States, a lot of people don't understand that the United States um, is mostly settled just on the, the East Coast, and then it wasn't until the 1800s when people started moving west. And so yeah. a lot of that, the historical finds are going to be on just about the entire eastern seaboard. But everything else from, you know, I guess you could say Nebraska west is just going to be mostly... Uh, even Nebraska, that's going to be from the 1800s uh, to present. Right. So finding stuff, I could completely understand finding uh, a 1700s coin for you guys must have been over the moon. Absolutely. Yep. It was fantastic. Yeah. So when you're when you guys are on these on these sites and you're going to a show, you're going from like town to town, uh, it, you're filming these shows, and the people in the area know that you're actually filming, and they come around to watch you guys film. Or you're kind of in a secluded area and nobody's allowed in there while you're doing it. Kate, Anyone? You there? Oh, sorry. I, I thought I lost you. <laughs> I thought I uh, lost both of you. You know, it, it is weird. Like, a lot of times they try not to let people know we're coming because, um, you know, a lot of times there'll be such a crowd of people that will show up that, you know, we have to have as much quietness as we can or our sound guy just freaks out. You know, but every once in a while, somebody will hear that we're coming, and there'll be like 200 people there standing around wanting to watch us dig, and you know, and they're getting into camera shots and all that. So they try to kind of keep it quiet. Like a lot of like radios and news and stuff, they hear we're coming. I mean, literally, we can't. We're not supposed to talk to anybody without approval from National Geographic and all that. And there'll be people like sneaking around, taking pictures through the bushes. And it's kind of weird, you know, we'll just look at each other like, what the, what the hell are we doing? You know, mm. but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but usually, if, and, and sometimes, you know, they'll let a town know. So at the end of the week, like we were in Peshigo, Wisconsin, and they had a the whole entire town turned out at the end of the week when we were done filming and Tim and I went there, you know, and it was, it was insane. I mean, it, it, we had to have security on us and stuff like that because we were literally like getting like pushed into corners with people wanting us to sign ripped in half paper plates and dollars and hats and anything you could think of to sign, you know, and we were just kind of looking at each other like, how did we get here? You know, this is weird, you know. Huh. You go, yeah, I remember that Peshtigo episode and I remember the write-up because I'm here in Wisconsin. Um, did you ever go to a site where you're really excited to go and – and you absolutely find nothing. And what do you do then? Oh, that that happens way more often than you would think. Obviously, you know, we can't make a show unless we find something. But we actually, we did so good in the New Orleans show. The first time we were there, we kind of went back during one of the later seasons. And it was the only time in 64 or 66 shows, whatever we did, um, it was the only time when we actually got shut out. I mean, we had lofty goals. We we were going for the War of 1812, and we were finding stuff from the late 1800s or whatever, but it, they actually had to pull the plug on that, and we jumped on a plane and moved to a different place and filmed a different uh. thing. So, and, and like KG said earlier, they always have multiple sites arranged ahead of time because almost always, I, in fact, it's hard to remember any show where we went somewhere and didn't get skunked somewhere, you know, and we had to move to another site. So we did one, I think it was Cape May or something. Cage, correct me if I'm wrong, but we, we had five sites set up and the first four were nothing. I think we found like a few wheat pennies. I mean, we had nothing. And the very last one we went to was this old haunted house thing that was around Halloween and KG pulls out a two cent piece and I wanted to strangle him. And I, a few cool things came out to save the show, but um, yeah, we get we get skunked all the time. It just you know it's like digging flip tops. We dig thousands of holes, but we just don't show them all because they're not as interesting as a you know a Spanish real. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yep. And a lot of times, like Tim was saying, I mean, we'll have a big hype, like the producer or something. We'll get leads, and we'll send the leads to. National Geographic, and they'll call people, make sure we got permission and all that. 
But a lot of times I say, yeah, you're going to go to this place where this, this colonel from the Civil War used to be, and it's untouched, never been metal detected. And we've heard that so many times, and we got there, and within an hour, we know the place had been pounded, you know. So there's a lot of places we're, like, all excited to get to, and then we'll get there, and then the guy will, guy or one of his friends will come out with a great big, you know, display case of stuff he'd already found there, you know. Oh, so, yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah. That, that happened constantly. And then to twist it around, there were places we went and we looked at and we thought, what are we doing here? This is a, this is a, this is a complete waste of time. It looks like it's all manicured. It looks like, you know, there's no way, you know, we did a show one time on a golf course. And I, I was like, I wanted to turn around and go home. And we walked out there and there was stuff literally laying on the surface, you know, like collar buttons from the military sticking out of the ground. And it's like, it was like taking candy from a baby. And it's like, I didn't even want to be there. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's the greatest place in the world. So it goes both ways. You know, you just can't judge a book by its cover, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You definitely have some of that over here as well in Germany. I know Dave, uh, Dave's been dealing with some of that over there as well. Yeah, well, here in Green Bay, I mean, you're, you're going to get to a certain point. I mean, we pretty much pounded every park here, so it's time to start. I'm going to start traveling down south, and I got some friends all over down there, and going to hit some of those spots to to get that juice back, the in, the excitement back. Um, you know, you can find so many V nickels up here, and you can find so many, you know, Barber dimes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for to get a little bit older and to keep it going. Um, not to, not, I'm not jaded. I still love the find. I still love finding silver in the hole, even if it's just a Washington quarter. But you know, I also like mm-hmm. to find variety. You know, just to just to have something extra in my collection. But you know what we're gonna do? I want to take a break here, and when we come back, we want to talk about your European trips that you've been taking out there lately, and and see what's up with that. And uh, and I also want to talk about your bucket listers and see uh, what your what your what's still on there as far as finding stuff. So when we come back, we're going to be talking again to to uh, George and Tim with Diggers. Uh, I'm Dave D along with Lance Goolsby, and you're listening to the Global Detection Adventure podcast. We'll be right back. Dave D here from the Global Detection Adventure podcast. You know, I don't know about you, but I've always been looking for the next innovation that can assist me in the field while digging. So when I was asked to try Stephen Padley's Draper shovel hook, well, I just had to give it a go. You know, I've been detecting three years now, and I've always carried my shovel in my non-detecting hand. Well, those days are over. So here's my review of the Draper shovel hook. These are my main reasons why I like this product. One, it's well-made, very strong. I've been using it for now for about three months and it's in the same condition now as it was when I first started using it. It fits on any belt or finds bag. Your shovel hangs still. There's no swing back while you're walking. It works with the open loop and the T-handle spades. And one of my favorite reasons is I have a free hand now. I used to carry my digger in my non-detecting hand and now I could use that to either videotape or just put it in my hoodie pocket to keep my hand warm. Because where I dig in the frozen tundra of Green Bay, Wisconsin, that's an asset. Now let's talk about price. Five English pounds. That's about seven American dollars. You can get that by digging clad in your next two hunts. And Stephen's gonna make it even easier for our GDA members. Because if you buy 10 or more, the price drops to three English pounds or just under five American dollars. Christmas is coming up. It'd be a great stocking stuffer. Good idea to give your digging friends. If you're a club, you want to get back to your members, this would be a perfect gift. So overall, I'm going to give the Stephen Padley Draper Shovel Hook five out of five Global Detection Adventure stars. So where are you going to find this Draper Shovel Hook? Well, that's the easy part. All you got to do is go to eBay, you type in Draper Shovel Hook, and bam, you're in. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be glad you did. It's a total thumbs up for me. I'm Dave D with another Global Detection Adventure product review. As almost all of you know, Global Detection Adventures, the podcast, is brought to you by XP Metal Detectors. Now, there's a reason why the podcast keeps bringing up XP Metal Detectors. Both Dave and I use an XP Deus, and we go out on the fields. And uh, 
we're dedicated in helping share how truly powerful this machine is to the rest of the American public. It's seemingly not so well known in the United States as it is in Europe how truly powerful this machine is and how great it is out on the fields and the hunts and everything else. So Dave and I have decided that uh, we're going to be uh, trying to help people understand the differences between metal de- the different metal detectors and the XP Deus. And uh, we're going to be talking with people uh, around the world who have used other metal detectors and eventually come over to the XP Deus. And uh, we're going to be calling this segment the Experience. And um, so you're going to be seeing this uh, every couple weeks, uh, every episode, we're going to have a new one. And uh, so I thought I'd go ahead and I would break the ice on this whole thing. And I would talk myself about um, my experiences using the XP Deus and uh, how it's different, you know, how it's advanced my hunt and um, talk about the difference between it and the detector I used to use. So I think I'll just go ahead and uh, go right into it. So uh, many of you know that I used to be on YouTube listed as um, detecting Bavarioth Lance and Tesoro, and uh, I was really proud of my Tesoro Cibola, and I was going out in the fields almost nonstop and and uh, finding some pretty decent finds. And um, but uh, there was always that one point on the uh, the Cibola that just seemed to limit exactly what I was able to do. That Cibola doesn't have a digital display. It's a truly tone-only machine, which only has one tone. And uh, it's up to you, the searcher, to discriminate the tones itself by turning the knob until um, the, the signal disappears, and then you get a general idea of what kind of metal it is and uh, whether or not you should dig it. Now, when I got my XP Deus in hand uh, a good six months ago now, uh, there was a completely different feeling. Um, It was like going from, I guess you could say, from a 1986 beat-up Ford 250 uh, into a Lamborghini. Uh, Really, it was was a massive difference. the first couple times I went out using it, it seems like a really confusing machine, but it really, really is not a confusing machine. It's really simple to get around it. It's going to take you one or two times to get used to the displays and setting everything up. Um, and eventually I came across, you know, my settings, which is GDA mode. If you guys have a question about that, you can head over to global-detecting.com. I have all my settings listing on there, listed on there that I use. So it's free for everybody to go ahead and do it. Uh, if it works for me, I'm going to give it out to you guys. But as soon as I started getting this in there, and I'm using the full tones, um, I'm able to now differentiate between the different types of metals just by listening to the tones. I don't even look at the display anymore. Um, and I highly recommend that. It's truly a totally different experience than using the other one. Uh, when I was using the Cibola, it seemed to be more of a hit and miss kind of thing. Now with the uh, the XP Deus, it's no longer a hit and miss. I know exactly what the types of metal is or anything else that's going to be underneath the ground. Um, it's, it is a godsend machine. It truly is. And I wish I could explain it more to you guys because the difference is are almost immediate. You'll notice it immediately as soon as you pick up the XP Deus. First of all, it's a much sleeker, much better designed machine. It's designed for transport, carry, um, everything in mind. And you will notice that once you get it in your hand, you'll feel like, okay, uh, there's something going on here that's uh, fantastic. Um, I have not yet had a bad hunt with the XP Deus. Uh, It seemed to plague me quite a bit when I was using the Cibola because, like I said, you, the user, are the one that determines what kind of metal it is, if it's an artifact, if it's a coin, if it's something in the ground, or if it's just junk. And if I can be honest about it, I think that uh, using the knob to discriminate 
what it is for a type of metal, I ended up losing probably 50 to 60% of the relics that I would have been really happy about. Uh, now with the XP Deus, uh, I have not had a bad hunt. I have hardly pulled up any trash because I know exactly where the trash ranges are. Um, what the tones might be the same as a relic or a coin, but if you look down on the display, um, the trash, you know, like the aluminum foil and everything else, it's pretty much set on a set number on the VDI display. It truly is a wonderful machine. If I could get you guys just to go over to xpmetaldetectors.com and take a look at them, uh, you'll be surprised. If you want to see one in use, head on over to my YouTube channel. That's Detecting Bavaria with Lance and XP Deus. And um, see me actually using it for the last couple months. And I think you'd be surprised uh, the amount of relics that I'm able to pull out of the ground. Uh, even places that I had hit religiously with the Tesaurus Ebola. Um, I'm hitting the exact same spots, and I've pulled out... Let me put it to you this way. When I was using the uh, Tesaurus Ebola, I had found for a 12 coins in a little over a year on these fields that I metal detect. Uh, right now, I am sitting on the precipice of 50 coins, and that's after having the XP Deus in my hand for six months. It really, really is a machine that is that it should be in every single person's arsenal, and I highly recommend it for every single one of you out there. Take a look. Head over to xpmetaldetectors.com or check out xpmetaldetectors.co.uk. Uh, I believe that's the website. Uh, let me double check that for you guys real quick. But uh, if you want to see more videos on exactly how it works, the website is xp-detectors.co.uk. Um, you'll see some of my videos on there, but you'll see a whole lot of other videos uh, teaching how to use the XP Deus. I guarantee that if you guys switch over to the XP Deus, you are not going to be sorry. This is one amazing machine. And I think during the course of the next couple months in the experience uh, clips, you will be hearing from some people that you know and trust that are out there in the field. And you will know for sure that this really is a machine to move into. So... I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to close my mouth now for, well, I guess I'm not going to close it for the rest of the show. I'm just going to hand it back over to myself and Dave, and uh, let's see what uh, Tim and George are up to. This is a great episode, guys. Hope you're having fun. All right. Welcome back to the show uh, with us uh, now for the second week, obviously. Uh, we got uh, KG and Ringy from the TV show Diggers from National Geographic Channel. And uh, now, you guys have just come off a very extensive European tour that you guys were, uh, I guess, touring around all over Europe for Garrett and uh, doing a whole lot of um, rallies and events and meet and greets all over the place. How's that? How did that go for you guys? Oh, that's. It's unbelievable. I mean, I cannot believe the amount of support in Europe. It's just, it's amazing how many different languages the show was, tra you know, translated into and everything. I mean, you know, probably 50 at least. Um, it's just funny to see, you know, us talking in Arabic or in Hungarian or something. It's just really funny. And then I don't, I don't know how they translate nectar or juice or roundness, but it's, <laughs> it's gotta be hilarious. But, uh, We've we've had so much fun in Europe. I mean, Garrett has sent us over there to do, you know, all kinds of different things. We've done rallies and different conventions and shows, and and it's been I think probably going on two years of touring around the world now. And we've been to like Italy, Belgium, England a couple times, France at least three times, Germany. And not just Europe. We we spent a week or so in Australia this year. Oh, wow. We've been to Canada. Um, I don't know the Netherlands. What am, what am I leaving out, KG? Anything? 
Um, it was Italy, too. <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, There's like nine different countries yeah, we were, this year. Oh, man. It's got to put a stress yeah, on you yeah, guys. We, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And I remember the first time we went to England, it was the first time I detected in Europe. And, and the first coin I pulled out, I'm just like, oh, that sounds really good. It sounded like an American copper penny, you know. And I just thought, oh, wow, that's banging out here in the middle of this field. And I pull out this coin. It's got this little spiky-haired dude on it. And I showed it to <laughs> one of our buddies over there, Gary, I think it was. And and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the spiky-haired emperor. That's from 250 A.D. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess I just found my oldest coin ever. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a zinc penny to by them over there, right? Years, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. You know, it's just crazy. I mean, the stuff over there is just so much older, and uh, it's just wild. And and they've had like two thousand some years of metal building up in the ground. Where we, whereas like over in the states, you know, we've had like only a couple hundred. Yeah. So there's all these layers of different things. You know, from you know current all the way back to pre, you know, pre-Roman stuff. So it's just it's been fantastic. Yeah. So, what was your first impressions when you were out there? I mean, did, did were the people very welcoming or welcoming, or were oh. uh, you're looking at attitude? You know, here comes those American blokes, and you know, what was it like? Well, were they were nervous? really good. Yeah, they were actually really good to us. I mean, we went, you know, we do all these rallies, and we didn't realize our show was so big, you know, in other parts of the world. Like you say, it it, it airs worldwide. It's not just the United States, so. Like, we would have all these people, like hundreds and hundreds of people coming up to us at these rallies, you know, and they're, they're wanting autographs and they're wanting the picture taken with us, you know, and they can't even speak the language, you know. Mm. It, it's kind of frustrating because you're trying to understand what they're talking about, you know, when they got their cameras out. And we were literally in Belgium. We were literally, like, shoved into a corner by people. They, they flew this news crew from russia out to interview us and wow. and we're you know tim and i we still we just kind of look at each other like a two-hour long line for people to get an autograph or a picture with us we're just looking at each other like what the heck you know what did we do you know it, it's really but in europe and australia and all over the world i mean they want us to go to russia this year they want us to go you know to all these other different countries this year but but like like i said i mean we've been welcomed with open arms pretty much yeah, it's um, now this is this is a, kind of all ties together. Now, when you see the amount of people that actually um, recognize you, and I guess you could say swarm you that are at these rallies and stuff, uh, I'm pretty sure that there must be a whole bunch of them say that you're like role models for them. That they started picking it up because they saw the show. Is has that happened? Oh, absolutely. We've got. I mean, every day. I get pictures and stuff emailed, you know, and KG does too. And it's just like, you know, thank you guys for doing this and, and putting on a show that we can watch with the whole family. Kids like it and they're actually learning something, even though they don't know they are, hmm. you know, because we make it fun to learn about history. And, you know, people in Europe and the U.S. have responded in the same way. And, you know, we really appreciate that. And, the the thing is, you know, we are kind of goofy and we like to have fun and we make fun of, you know, basically everything on the planet. But we also, you know, it's not mutually exclusive from having a great appreciation for history. So, yeah. I mean, we really do love the stuff we pull out of the ground. It's We appreciate it. it you know, you pull out an old coin or something and it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It's like, oh what cowboy touched this last in the 1800s. And I think that comes through on camera that it's genuine and the people in Europe can see that whether they can speak English or not. Yeah. Well, I can, I can tell you from my point of view, uh, you know, I suffered, uh, I suffered from PTSD in 2012 and, uh, that's, I had what's called late onset PTSD. I went to the Iraq war in 2003, but I didn't suffer from PTSD until 2012. Um, so I was looking for a new kind of outlet, and your your guys' show was on um, iTunes. I have an American iTunes account, so I'm able to download shows from the United States. And I was watching, uh, I was watching Diggers, and um, you know that uh, 
gave me an idea. I was like, man, I could actually do this. It's not a whole lot of equipment that's needed, and there's land all around me. Um, you guys have really been a large influence on me as well. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that there, there has to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out here um, that owe the fact that they're into the hobby because you guys went on television. You have such a likable character, and you really do. You guys are instantly likable on the television show. And just like as I'm talking with you now, I, I understand that's just who you guys are. Yeah, like you say, we we get hundreds and thousands of of people writing and thanking us, and uh, and it's amazing how many military people have, have suffered from what PS whatever that what's that thing called PTSD post traumatic yeah. stress disorder. Yes, yes, there is. I mean, we have had so many military people write us and thank us because they never had an escape until they came across our show, and now they metal detect. And yep. it's just like a release for them. You That's know? exactly it's, what it is. We did not have any idea it was going to be that huge in the military community. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was for me. I use this as my therapy for my my illness. And that's exactly what this is. Yeah, I actually you know, metal detect it, it, to get away from my great. wife. So. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I can't believe that yet another, I, I, you know, when you said you had PSTD, PTSD, I, like George said, we had a couple people write in and say, hey, your show has been really good for me. I use it as therapy. And I just thought, oh, that's, that's really awesome. But it's, I thought, oh, it's a one or, you know, it's a coincidence that it happened twice. And then over the last couple of years, I can't even count the number of people that have written in and said that. So there's obviously something about focusing with your headset on and thinking like that and that some sort of release for PTSD that, I mean, it's, it, it's not a coincidence anymore. It's happened way too often yeah. to be a coincidence. So I've even had well, somebody out, call yeah, me and ask to maybe out, set something up in the future. To, to you're out in nature that, you know? and you're walking and you got the headset, you're just focused and concentrated on it and you know that any minute something exciting is going to happen and you're going to find something. And I think that that sense of focus and being out in nature and fresh air and and a place that's really serene is really soothing. And it's just, to me, I get up, I'm, I'm out at, at, at dawn. And when the first lights up, I'm out there and I could be out there for eight, eight to 10 hours and not even know how the time flies. So, so fast. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah, it, it, I could see it being great therapy yeah. for, for anybody that has any kind of, you know, mental disorder or just, um, you know, stress or, or anxiety, any kind of just a release for yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. I think something like yeah. this, I think, uh, there needs to be like some kind of organized metal detecting event for people who do suffer from PTSD and get them into it and show them that it does help. It does, it does, um, help with the, the the mental problems it's it's really hard to express explain how this ptsd affects one but i think uh, if more people who suffered from it actually got into the hobby they'd see exactly how much that does help and i yep. just hope that more people will get into it well what I, what I want to talk about now guys is you go into these rallies where they have um planted coins and you go find the planted coins, and just to be honest with you, I would, I would be there and I would watch. I'd like to be an organizer of it, but to actually go out and rush to find planted coins, to me, that's not satisfying enough as finding your own coins in a remote area that you don't know it's going to be found there. Um, sure. What what what? There's a lot of coins that you found, and you, probably a lot of coins were offered to you. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a different feeling getting offered coin and finding a coin. What is on your, still on your bucket list that, as far as coins that you haven't found yet? And that could be that could even uh, don't don't include Europe because I know that's a totally different ball game over there. Let's just say for the United States, if there's something that you haven't found yet, we'll start we'll start with you, Tim. What do you have? Anything? Uh, yeah, I definitely have some stuff I have not found. I have not found a three cent piece either nickel or silver. I have found a two-cent piece, so I got I got the two three-cent pieces I'd love to find. And 
of course, I have never found a $20 gold piece. That's kind of my main bucket lister. I just would love to find one. Um, and I think those two, and, and I've never found a silver bust coin. So I've never actually found like a bust quarter or half or anything. So that would be pretty awesome too. And of course, anything better than that, like a flowing hair half or something would be, you know, you'd lose your mind for a month over something like that. <laughs> George, think anything? Yeah, you know, I have yet to find a CSA belt plate or buckle or something like that. And I have always wanted to dive down to a shipwreck and, and just look for coins on the bottom of the ocean, man. That, I've always wanted to do that. And I know Tim's always wanted to do the White House lawn, but he probably ain't going to get on there. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys are you, well, are you guys certified to dive? And did, did Garrett or anybody else think of it and say, hey, send you guys underwater once in a while? Or you guys, because I know there's a lot of people that, that hunt cricks and small rivers and stuff like that. Um, why does, did Garrett or you guys ever get involved in going underwater? Well, well we, you know, I mean, we as far actually, as filming, it, well, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to say, as far as filming, it's a, it's kind of a nightmare to try to film underwater and get all that set up as a, if we were filming a show, you know. And we thought about going into water and this and that, but, I mean, we don't know, like, the laws on the creeks or what we're doing and stuff like that. And, it, and you know, we're so scrutinized anyway that we have to make sure we, we stick within the guidelines so that we don't have repercussions. So, you know, there's just a lot of, like, like political stuff that goes into that that we want to avoid. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you guys um, now... I know you guys have something in the works. Uh, you were over here in Europe and um, hitting all these rallies and everything else. Um, you guys have uh, a new show in the works. Is this correct? Yeah, that is correct. We've been filming for you know a year and a half or so, and we, we've actually been using the cameramen from Diggers that have shot for us. Uh, a couple of our favorite camera guys that we've actually become real close with. And uh, Garrett has sponsored all these rallies, which we went to anyway, and we figured, hey, we're going to be in all these awesome places. Why don't we just start shooting the next show? You know, and it, it's, uh, it's really coming along great. We're just getting to the editing phase, so, you know, it takes quite a while, as you know, to get all that stuff put together. Oh, yeah. But some of these shows are going to be fantastic because, you know, Australia... Europe, all these different places that we haven't done anything on TV yet with. And that's all going to be coming out soon. And it'll probably be called Digging with KG and Ringy. And, I mean, we, we keep everybody up to date on our Facebook site. There's a Digging with KG and Ringy Facebook site. And you can always see the Anaconda Treasure Facebook site and then the Anaconda Treasure YouTube channel. All this, you know, if you're like any of these things, you're going to be up to date on when this show eventually comes out. But some so of is this going to be pretty, when it does come out? Do you plan on having it on uh, like a cable show like GeoNet or Travel Channel, or is it going to be more of a internet thing like Netflix or the internet TV that's being really popular right now? Well, we're we're actually working on Netflix right now, and we have we have about there's several different options. For us right now, we haven't signed with anybody yet, but we are looking at all those different options. So one way or the other, it's coming out. We just don't know what venue or what channel yet. No, that's fantastic. Now, when, you, when, when, when Diggers ended, was there, was it? Did it? I don't understand. For me, because you guys were really starting to evolve and it was starting to get better and better every episode. Yeah. Um, was there was there an animosity, or just say, hey, you know, guys, well, you know, we hit to a certain point and. I just because I mean there's shows on there right now I can't believe they're on TV and there's yeah. <laughs> the Digger show is way so much better I mean and I even if I wasn't into metal detecting if anybody loves about treasure and treasure hunting and you find something on the ground if you don't like it you don't have a pulse so I'm watching exactly. the show and I'm thinking why in the hell would they take this and replace it with that and it just doesn't blows my mind um, yeah it's very, what, hap- I mean, what happened like, what happened like those guys. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of times, like right now, I mean, they still play, they've been playing our show like every week, like almost every day they're putting diggers on because it works. It's getting ratings for them. Yeah. But I mean, I know Fox Network bought National Geographic and there's a lot of stuff within the network that changes, you know, like, like management changes. And, and, and we were told they were trying, they're trying to get away from character driven shows and they would like to get back to documentaries on how we're going to colonize Mars and no. stuff like that, you know? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, it wasn't because of the ratings because they still play us like crazy on TV. It's just, you get to- it's just a lot of stuff changes. Do you get any kind of residuals or your contract was, Hey, this, you'd make this episode, you get this money and you're done. Or do you get any kind of residuals from being it being played over and over? Uh, no, we you have to, to give it to them and then you're out. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the show is, is so popular to me, in my mind. And the shows that they have on now, it's like, come on. And yeah. they have shows that put, you know, you want to go to Mars, go on the Science Channel, because you don't play anything that's got to do with science on that channel. You guys could right. be on the History Channel. You guys could be on Nat Geo. There's so many channels you guys could be on. You know, why do you got to? Why do you have to play Pawn Stars ten times in a row when you guys? Yeah. Guys, yeah. You know, when you when you can have something fresh every every you know every so that that kind of irked me when that happened. So. And by yeah, the way, yeah, we were, we were kind of dumbfounded as well because we've watched a few shows like. You know, I know that they're for entertainment purposes and stuff, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to find Bigfoot. And we actually do <laughs> yeah. find that, so. That's one of the shows. Dude, how many times you to go, hoo, 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 you hear that? And show guy in, in, in nightlights, you know? It's like, come on, it's the same show I, yeah. every week. I would get stressed out because, you know, I mean, there's these treasure hunting shows on now. And Tim and I, we had so much pressure on us to find something. You know, and there's there's shows out there now that are on season four, and they haven't found nothing. I'm like, we yeah. could have did two seasons out of the Steve Jobs time capsule, and we did it in a half hour. It's not yeah. fair, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got you got Oak Island. You know, I, I don't see any. You go in there, I go, why should I watch this? Like, I watch it a year from now. It'll be the same. They just found a you know one coin that they probably planted. It's like, why would I keep <laughs> watching this? You know, it's so that's just it kind of dumbfounds me, and I, you know, but you know, it's Hollywood. You know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. I, I really you know, hope you guys the, a massive amount of luck to just to rub their right in the dirt um, because you guys are really nice guys. You're genuine. Um, it shows. Camera does not lie. Um, you can see it. Uh, you, you could be two guys walking down the street and instantly become friends with with even without Digger's fame because um, that's what the kind of persona you guys you know you bring out in yourself so we're really hoping for, for a major success on here and if we can help here anyway through promotion or whatever you want man anytime you want to come on um we will help you any way to promote where you want to guys want to go and absolutely thank you guys thank awesome. you I was, yeah, we're open we to europe it. station picking us up too we'd be kind of cool to be on in germany or you know or england or something it'd be cool so we we don't have any contracts with anybody now, so we're open to any suggestions, too. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, I'll do what I can to get you guys on TV over here, but, uh, you know, I think the local uh, the local community access channel might be a little too low for you guys. I think you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we, we were making our own videos. We still we still do, so we don't, we don't care. We just like digging. We just yeah. have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, all you need is two yeah. chairs and a plant. You're going to have a set, right? <laughs> Hi everyone, Siren Kimmy here with Girls Rock Metal Detecting. I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And as I speak to you now, it is 2.30 in the morning. Um, I am trying to get everything accomplished that I need to get accomplished. It is now officially Christmas Eve. Um, I can get a little bah humbug around the holidays. For some reason, despite a major amount of stress and strife, I've been very upbeat about Christmas this year. I think it's mostly because I've had a huge reminder as to why I do what I do. 
With Girls Rock Metal detecting the root of it, my plan always was to spread love, support, and kindness. When that is tested and you're forced to question your motives and you realize these motives have always been true, when you realize that you've been right all along, standing on the side of love, support, and kindness suddenly becomes very liberating. When you think of the reason for the season and the purest love, you can gain a better appreciation for why it is so important to be good to one another. In a world that is constantly tested by hate, it's so easy to give in. But when you stand apart from the hate and realize how good it feels to be a positive influence and to just be nice, what an overwhelming feeling of hope and happiness. I know this all sounds very kumbaya, but if you can't express the sappy stuff during Christmas, when can you? Um, one thing I will tell you is, social media can be a war zone so much of the time, it's hard to navigate the landmines and come out unscathed. But just as in life, hold true to your integrity. Be uncompromisingly good to one another, and you'll never go wrong. Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, and please be sure to go check out Girls Rock Metal Detecting on YouTube. I started doing a Friday vlog, which is essentially just whatever I feel like talking about or maybe doing during the week. In case you haven't noticed, I do like to express myself, um, and I want to share things that I that um, and I want to share things that just don't fit into my metal detecting videos. Speaking of this evening, or technically this morning, the Girls Rock Metal Detecting Christmas video will go live, wherein I will announce the winner of the "I'm Dreaming of a Silver Christmas" contest. Uh, and Siren Santa is seen out digging in a red furry hat, no joke. Uh, so be sure to get over and check out YouTube and subscribe so you don't miss out on the fun. Uh, once again, Merry Christmas, everyone, and don't forget, rock metal detecting. They say fame and fortune come to those who wait. Well, I'm still waiting. The fame part is getting better after that episode on TV of Cops showed me without my shirt but I'm still waiting on the fortune part. Meanwhile, others took their charm and became big TV stars. Well, TV stars. Okay, well, they have a TV show. It's called Diggers, and it is a good one. Yes, I'm looking at you, KG and Ringy. You are living the dream. Metal detecting across the world, recognized in places of certain repute, and signing so many autographs that it is affecting your digging hand. Frankly, you deserve it. You are down-to-earth guys who like to wallow in the mud for old crap, just like myself and countless others in this hobby. You don't plant your finds or concentrate on resale values. You is what you is. And from a recent photo that's circling the internet, and I'll hold it up here for all of y'all to see, it appears Fortune has not found you yet either. The photo, which is also on Facebook in case you have trouble seeing it on this audio, shows Ringy on a beach looking for enough clad coins to supersize his lunch. And while his detector in sand scoop is top-notch, one of the perks of being famous, it is his dress, no, not that kind of dress. It is his dress that says it all. Although his t-shirt is crisp and natty and impeccably in good taste, it is an American Digger t-shirt, by the way, his jeans are frayed and too short, meaning they're probably the same ones he wore to his high school prom. Had Fortune followed his fame, I'm pretty sure he would have bought new pants. And while we can't see his feet in this photo, I assume he is without shoes. The box that he's currently living in is just out of sight of the photo. I can relate. Although I have the best in equipment, including Adeus and Garrett, as well as Fisher, I cover all my bases, I still envy the better things in life, like food, shelter, and plenty of AA batteries. I also wear pants well beyond their shelf life when I do wear them. While I do have shoes, they are from my own high school prom and the blue suede has almost all rubbed off. My own box needs repairs as my roof leaks. And we'll not even talk about poor little KG, bless his heart. KG is also a star. But I suspect, suspect we haven't seen a similar photo of him because his pants finally dissolved. Oh, God, the humanity. 
But we all make sure we are wearing a freshly pressed American Digger t-shirt because we do have our pride. But Ringy and KG and even myself need help, obviously. If every listener could convince 10 of their friends to send in only a few dollars each, we could all have a pair of pants and enough duct tape to repair our roof leaks. We could have shoes and still eat lunch. And if those 10 friends convinced another 10 friends and 10 more afterwards, then we could quit work altogether and just metal detect, which is actually what we do anyway. So never mind. Thank you, folks. This is Butch Holcomb of American Digger Magazine. I'm still looking for America. All right, so we're back. Uh, we're coming down to the end of the wire, guys. Uh, I can't <laughs> express my my thanks enough to both KG and Ringy for coming on the show. Now, what do you guys got coming up? What's uh, what's in the future for you guys? Anything you guys want to plug? Well. There is something. I mean, uh, every one of your listeners might be interested in a free detector, and the guys at Garrett have generously donated an AT. I can't remember if it's an AT Pro or an AT Gold, but we're going to give away one for the holidays here. Oh, that's, so that's a gift. At least, yeah, at least by like the first week in January is when the drawing will probably take place, but within the next few days on the facebook page digging with kg and ringy if you go there and you see the post on there you know just add a comment in there you know follow the rules or whatever and you know the at could be yours there you go so head over to digging with kg and ringy on facebook and uh try and win yourself a brand new metal detector what else you guys what about you george Oh, I don't know. I just want to thank everybody for their support. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, just the, the amount of people that have, you know, liked our show and watch our show and support what we're doing. You know, and how I many how many kids get involved? And I mean, it, it's been one heck of a ride for us. I mean, either way, wherever we end up, I mean, this has been an incredible ride. And but I think you know, you haven't seen the end of KG and Rangy. We're still making videos. We're going to show up on some TV near you soon. That's great. Great. Definitely be playing in my uh, my apartment. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys, KG, Ringy, George, Tim, for being on the show. Uh, it, it was an honor and pleasure to talk to you guys. Um, it's been, a, I don't want to say a lifelong, but at least since uh, you guys been on TV, I always wanted to, to get to know you guys a little bit better, and I think here um with this uh with this interview i think a lot more people are going to understand what you guys are all about and uh i'm sure a lot of fans want to get in touch with you so is there an area or a, a place where they can get in touch with you do you have a fan club base Absolutely. or is there something that you can talk about to get to, you can get maybe some kg and ringy gear and hats and t-shirts and things like that absolutely if you just go to anacondatreasure.com uh there's there's a place there where you can order all kinds of detectors and gear, anything from ATC, or you can also get to us through the Facebook page, Digging with KG and Ringy or Anaconda Treasure. We we post dual stuff there, so if you're already a member of one, you're going to see the same stuff as you do on the other. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Great Christmas present. Christmas is coming up in a couple of weeks, and you guys, if you're anybody in your family is into metal detecting, and just a a shirt with uh, KG and uh, uh, Tim's face on there uh, would be much appreciated. You hear that, Diane? <laughs> I'm just talking to my wife. They'll scare away ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I know you got uh, you got a big business meeting coming up, and uh, Tim, uh, you got the big Chicago Bear game coming up. Another loss, eh? but uh, that's okay. Um, I got the Green Bay Packer game coming up. It's actually they're already started. So I want to again thank you guys for being on the show. Um, like again, much appreciated. Um, you guys are great guys, and hopefully we get to talk together and actually meet somewhere out in the field. Yeah, I hope so. Awesome, thanks, I really thanks for having it. us. Absolutely, thank you guys for coming in. All right, well, that's another episode of Global Detection Adventure. Great episode with King George and Tim, the Ringmaster from Diggers. Um, Will, this is going to be a two-parter, so uh, hopefully you will. Uh, catch both 
both aired in a couple weeks, and uh, actually the first one's going to air. In, well, I don't even know why I'm talking about this because it's all going to be taken out. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Cubs win. Cubs thanks, win. Uh, yeah. Thank. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, let's see. I'll go back. Uh, I'm out. Let's see. I'm Dave D with Global Detection Adventures. Uh, I'm out of here, Lance. Until next time. All right. We'll see you guys out on the field. Let's dig it up, y'all. And that's the last show for 2016. We hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us evolve from the first episode to what we hope is a really educational and entertaining podcast for you guys. Make sure that you head on over to global-detecting.com and check out the website. You'll find right on the very top there's a link to a page where the current voting for Find of the Year Awards is currently underway. It's going to go from the 26th of December for seven days. So make sure you go over there and give three people your vote. Each person has the ability to vote for three different people. So head on over there. The grand prize winner is going to be winning a metal detector, a GDA fines pouch from MFH, a black ADA shovel, a draper hook, XP metal detectors, hats, and T-shirts, and there's so much more that they're going to be winning. Plus, there's going to be three runners-up, and they're going to be getting a whole bunch of great stuff as well. 2017 shaping up to be a good year. We've got some very special guests already lined up, and uh, we'll be announcing them as soon as we get the booking done. Now, if anybody wants to come and talk with us on the GDA podcast, the phone lines are now open. We have a telephone number. Make sure you head on over to the GDA podcast website. That's global-detecting.com, and you'll be able to see it right over there. And from Dave and myself, we'd both like to wish you a very happy new year, and we'll see you on the flip side. This has been a production of the GDA Podcast Network. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.